Mays, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. You know what's funny? Um, you DM'd me asking to create an ad for me. But what's really funny is after we connected and we spoke and we booked this, uh, I started seeing some of your ads in my stories on Instagram. And it was, it wasn't even like one, it was every other story I would see an ad, which was interesting. Yeah, we are, uh, went away. we're good at running ads. So we Fire. do, uh, yeah, we have a pretty robust targeting strategy. Your door is opening. Is that a, is that a child? No, it's my dog. <laughs> oh, it's <Yeah>. your dog. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes my son just like pushes my door open. He's not home right now, but he'll like push through the door and try to get in. He likes to sit in front of the microphone and just sort of eat the mic. I like it. Talking to people. This is so funny. So is that, is that what you do primarily? You run advertising or do you... Or is that like one aspect of your business? Because I saw an ad for like relationship coaching, if that's, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I do two things. Um, yeah. First thing is I do like full stack marketing for people. So people come to me generally like already successful business owners or people that are like on the brink of success and mm. they have an offer that they either want to create or in the process of creating that hasn't gotten the traction that they want. Generally, it doesn't have the traction they want because they don't have a product market fit. So they don't know exactly who they're targeting. And even if they do, they're not using the right linguistics and language to capture that audience. So I come in and I make sure that there's a ecology between who they are and the offer that they are running. And then I build a full stack marketing solution around it. And we'll running ads for them is a part of that. Um, what that led me to was finding a bunch of entrepreneurs that didn't have the right mindset to launch offers because they were heading for divorce. And for some reason, instead of, I mean, I think it's typical of a man, like we need success in areas. So if we're already decent at business, instead of working on our marriage, we'll work on our business. Mm -hmm. So they'll launch a new offer thinking it's going to bring in more money and that's going to get their wives back. And that's not the case. Generally, what they need is they need help scaling their existing business or creating a more scalable offer, not just doing more. So they actually have more time to focus on their marriage. And that's where, so they do go hand in hand, but they are two separate offers. Hmm. It's interesting how you recognized sort of where you can help, where you can support entrepreneurs. And, and I see this a lot too. I, you know, I work with entrepreneurs as well and before we can even talk about marketing and sales and creating offers, before we can talk about scalability, which is what I, for the most part, work on is helping entrepreneurs scale and remove themselves from their business. The, the mindset has to be appropriate, has to match, sort of match the future version that they're looking for. And oftentimes they, they're like stuck, you know, they're stuck in, in what got them to where they are, which is it. You, you may relate to this at some point, like the mindset that gets you to exactly where you are right now is not going to be appropriate for the future. Especially yeah. if you have that like hustle hard mentality and you just start creating more and you're doing more work, but it's negating what you're actually looking to do, which is scale so that you can remove yourself so that you can have free time so that you can add more value to your family so that you can be in a relationship 
um, and actually be in the relationship, right? Yep. What was it that like pointed you to, because you said they didn't have the right mindset. What was it that pointed you to that? What was like occurring or what did you notice? So generally what will happen is I believe that if you don't have the right subconscious beliefs and if you don't have the right mindset and if you aren't creating offers in the right for the right ecology right so for the you know positive benefit of the world for the positive benefit of your life and if you haven't considered the frame it's going to relate to in your marriage and your life then you will subconsciously sabotage yourself from success what does that what does that mean so we find people that go on these journeys and basically they have these goals, right? And their goals are good, but their goals are born out of a place of scarcity. Mm-hmm. So anything born out of scarcity begets scarcity. Anything born of abundance creates abundance. Yeah. So people who start a business out of scarcity, out of a scarce relationship, out of a scarce frame of mind, out of a scarce marketing strategy, will notoriously fail and instead of seeing it as feedback they see it as failure because and it it generally was but the thing was it was destined to fail in the beginning Mm -hmm. because they created it out of the wrong place so i believe if you truly want to create something abundant you must create it out of a place of abundance otherwise it'll be self-serving instead of Mm. what it should be which is for you know social serving or client serving or employee serving, right? Whatever the mission is of business, you can want to have a business that creates great ecology for your employees. Mm-hmm. But if you do it out of a place to satiate something inside of you that's self-serving because you're missing something in your life, it's not going to work. And it will to a degree. So that's what people miss. It's like, I don't, if you're getting to 10, if you're getting to 10 K a month, like, 20k a month 30k a month like you can run businesses that do over a million bucks a year out of the wrong ecology and people say i'm successful and i'll say you're not because it's not like if you truly dig into the foundation where it came from the foundation's cracking so it's only a matter of time right now you can save a business born out of scarcity right like you can save an offer born out of scarcity but you have to become the person so that's what i found was like I would see these guys who were successful in other areas of their life where they make a million bucks a month, like work with guys who pay themselves hundred K to 10 K to a million bucks a month. Right. And I would see these common threads where when they would try to create something new that was born out of a place of scarcity because something was going on in the marriage, it wouldn't work. There's like an essence of neediness, you know, like you said, something's something being created to fill a void or to fill a hole, like something's missing in your life. And you think that creating this empire for, you know, for some, then it's going to fill that, that void. And then you'll be a better person. Right. And then you'll be able to be the husband or the the wife sometimes, or the father that you want, you think you want to be, or that you do want to be, but you're really coming from that place of lack. Yeah. And like, so most common place we see it is marketing. So marketing requires a specific gestational cycle, right? Like you have to respect the gestational cycle of marketing, which is like 
the time from the marketing is born to the time it comes to fruition. So if you create marketing out of a place of need for cash, it doesn't work because you don't give it the right gestation cycle. So you kill it before it starts. Now you rush it. You're, you're not giving people an opportunity to think through or recognize that they do need it. You're trying to yep. push and push and push people to buy when maybe they're not ready to buy. Is that, is that accurate? Like what you're saying? Yeah. And your messaging comes off from a place of desperation. Like there, I believe there's an energy around that desperation that'll bleed into your marketing. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting how you can, people who are skilled and who understand what marketing is and how it works can read right through this. They can yeah. read into the words and, and unfortunately for those who are, you know, for lack of a better term, like sheep or um, the recipients of this, who don't really understand how marketing works and it from a psychological level, because it's derivative of psychology, they're, they, they end up becoming victims. Like they'll buy into things that are disingenuous. They'll buy into things that don't actually fulfill the need that they have. And that actually works sometimes. Like that's why people can make, can get to like some level of quote unquote success from a financial perspective, but not actually be fulfilled, not actually be of service either. And that's where you see like, I mean, coach, so coach, like you can't be a coach and use Stripe as a payment process because the chargebacks are so high. Like they hate it. Like I was doing, I was processing 60 grand a month for my coaching and they shut my Stripe account down and never had one charge back. But once they found out that I was coaching, they weren't okay with it because the volume that I was processing was too high. Huh. So you see that, you see the results of that. You see the fruit of it. Like people will pay in the short term, but then when it comes back and they didn't get the results that they desired, they'll just, they'll just like do a charge back. So people think they're like getting one over. You're not, you're just, you're just not. That's it. I didn't know that. I use Stripe too. Um, yeah. Some, sometimes. And what I see a lot in the coaching industry, and I've been in this industry for a very long time, and I've had chargebacks before, mostly when I was running a gym in the fitness industry because people are not utilizing the. 150 to 200 dollar membership and they're like oh i haven't used this let me just charge back so i used to get those sometimes and it was like frustrating and i did notice like we were actually trying to be of service to people it wasn't about the money and we charged you know you have to charge appropriately you have to be you have to charge your worth and know what that is and there's like this delicate balance between charging what you're worth and overcharging mm -hmm. um but ultimately it's a matter of like, how can you demonstrate that you do give a shit, you know, that you do care and you want to be of service and you want to support people. And the entire reason that you become a coach or you get into this is to help people. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the clients that I work with are, um, they have coaching as an aspect of their business. Some of them it's their business and some, it's like part of what they do because it's an, it's like an extension of being a good leader where you have to coach people and be able to inspire people and educate and train. Right. And for the most part, when people decide they want to be a coach, it's because they figured something out 
they figured something out for themselves that supported them through a tumultuous time, through turmoil, through like struggle. And they learned very specific tools that that they realize are helpful. And then they start seeing other people who are struggling with the same thing. Yeah. Right. They're 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 like it could be a, a weight loss thing, and they they lost weight. It could be like a uh, a relationship thing, and you know they fixed their relationship, and now they want to go and help other people. And when they come into it from that place, there's like this um, this dichotomy, or what we can call a collapsed distinction. They want to be of service to people, and they want to help people, but they feel guilty for charging. They actually have some guilt and it's interesting because this really occurs a lot in the fitness industry, uh, definitely in, in just coaching overall and not in many other businesses. There's this distinction between service and sacrifice and this belief that those are the same thing. Like you have to sacrifice a little bit of yourself in order to be of service to other people. Have you recognized that in anyone? Or Yeah, I mean, I recognize that. that? in every like every area of life right so to be successful you have to work hard to have money you have to work a lot to be fit you have to sacrifice to have a great marriage it's hard right so we live through these dichotomies and we live through these dichotomies of things have to be difficult for things to be good right? right so in fitness like so when you live through that you live through a frame of or is what i call it right and living through a frame of or is a broken way to live yeah, it's not like it's not a, a it's a win lose, which makes it a zero sum game, right? So what I look at it is like, and how can I be successful or more successful? How can I have a great marriage or have a better marriage? How can I serve someone or serve them more? Hmm. How can I, you know, make six figures or make seven figures? Right. So it's never like once you stop living through dichotomies, you start experiencing abundance. Abund- you start experiencing abundance. Like you can't say, so for example, when I look at how much I want to work and how much I want to make, it's a pretty like, I say, well, I want to make X and I want, you know, I want this amount of time at home with my family. Mm-hmm. So I don't pick an or it's not like the more time I want at home with my family, the less dollars I can make or the less, you know, the, the, like you you don't have to see that. Right. And, but people live in limiting frames of, or hmm. so you have to choose because we're used to zero sum game. And we almost like, until you give yourself permission to understand that you deserve to live in a, in a one plus one, you know, a, a positive sum game, hmm. you're going to be stuck choosing between the lesser evils. And I would say that is like, because even if you choose your marriage, you'll have resentment for your marriage. If you're sacrificing success, You'll have resentment for your success if you're sacrificing your fitness. You'll have resentment in any area of your life that you have to make sacrifice. But for some reason, we're taught that you must sacrifice Mm -hmm. to be successful or to have or to do good things. Like if I have a Ferrari, it doesn't mean I've taken anything from someone else. Yeah. Like I could give half a million dollars back. Right. Like, and I'm not taking anything from anyone by having nice things. I'm not taking anything. In fact, I'm just creating an abundant value in the world. Right. What about all the people that work to create Ferrari? So what is the luxury brand? You still have people in a manufacturing shop that are getting paid for the purchase of Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Is there a, you know, is there an evil there? No, I don't think so. You're still adding to the economy. It's just at a different 
it's a different level and, and i don't even I, I hesitate to use the word level because that would imply like a hierarchy but it's at a different it's like on a different plane you know yeah it's a different place it's at a different location in yep. in your mind yeah and, and and like you see yeah ferrari still has artists like designers and it still has engineers and people who love their craft and th th do they deserve to be compensated for that of course yeah i had a i was i was doing a private coaching day with one of my clients and he's he comes from a very like under like a low income town in pennsylvania like they're they're just raised around product production and um it's like an old coal mining town so a lot of residual um families come from that era and there's a mindset of scarcity anyway he wanted to go and see a metallica show because he found out they were playing in new york and looked up the ticket prices and it was it was like 200 bucks plus a ticket he's like that's too much that's so much money why are they charging so much and i was like are you ready for a, a, a quick account like economics lesson like let's understand how this money works like where is that money actually going because yeah maybe there's going to be thirty thousand people in this giant stadium to see this band and tickets are like 200 to a thousand dollars each but did you know the cost of putting on a show that like that mm -hmm. you know what goes into it all of the people who work security all of the people who are selling like merchandise the the renting the space for an x amount of time costs like two million dollars probably i'm just guessing but it's a significant amount of money and so when you think about like where your money goes and where your effort goes sometimes it's not just going to this one thing, like the band playing or whoever's in charge of Ferrari, like they're profiting from it. Like they are maybe, maybe a little bit, but that's just a bigger sort of umbrella for a lot of people. And so that that can stay relevant too. That's well, what we're paying into. It's we're paying into relevancy and to have this in our, lives and yeah those prices go up too like that's a yeah and i mean and that's the thing is like people see profit is bad and it's not like mm -hmm. i like you should be rewarded for your skill totally. and that's like like all that you know the profit like people see money as an ending like with the ceo of ferrari who, who's certainly very wealthy which and good for him man like good for him right and good for yeah. anyone who's making any money but like and if he buys great houses, he buy he just adds value to the world. So people see things like like you have to see the value exchange. It's always positive, right? It's always good. And people see like spending and buying of money, exchanging of money as a negative energy flow. It never is. Are you a leader, game changer, or adventure seeker who would jump at the opportunity to get out into the world and experience something new? Do you possess an unusual capacity for growth? Have you done what most won't understand? Or are you simply someone whose impact goes way beyond what you ever could have imagined? And you just keep going. 
Well, I've got a special invitation for you. The Elevate experience is calling your name. This is an opportunity for you to detach, to deconstruct, to discover new paths, and to plan for what comes next. Picture this. You're in a remote wilderness environment with nine other growth-oriented, highly accomplished producers and action takers. You're on an epic, once-in-a-lifetime adventure with zero resistance and zero BS. This is the chance for you to endure physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual evolution and be held accountable to make choices that build your integrity and your resilience. You'll walk away from this five-day, one-of-a-kind experience with renewed passion, action steps to integrate your experience into your life, and memories secured to anchor you to your evolution and your expansion. Plus, you'll receive integration coaching and peer-to-peer mentorship so that you can take your experience home with you and inject your rediscovered passion directly into your leadership. If you've made it this far and accomplished this much, what's next? The Elevate experience is here for you don't wait any longer. Visit mysummit.academy slash elevate and fill out the application for the adventure of a lifetime so that you can join us this summer. What are you waiting for? Like paying your bills is good. Paying people is good. Paying subcontractors is good. Paying for nice things is good. Right. But we see like we just live in a world where it's where it's been shamed and it's been shamed by a group of people who don't understand that, like that there's a possibility it's endless. Right. And it's been shamed by like a lot of people who, who might even have nice things or, or just want to, you know, that it, it's been shamed by people who have been brought with a with a life of dichotomies. Right. Because they believe if this and that, if this and that, but like what if you could just allow that expansive energy and understanding of the world to to really take root? I think it would be. Yeah. much better place the, the the phrase that comes to mind is yes and yeah i want this and i want this but a lot of times we hear yes but yep and there's that um oh i love you but yeah or i can do that for you but and then there's like an expectation well, what about doing things without expectation this is where I, what I think of when I hear the word abundance is service without expectation, giving without the expectation of receiving and not expecting anything, any, any like special treatment either, which no one really gets. They just get treatment and you sort of decide for yourself if that's special or not. And 
what you put into the world, you know, law of compensation comes in here. What you put out into the world tends to show up and reciprocate, right? Was was there a time for you? And and I really wanted to talk about this. Like one of the curiosities I had when we had connected, you know, in your Instagram profile, you I think you wrote God first. And I asked you a question like, when did you decide that? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we we believe things. We have our beliefs and no one belief is right or wrong. It's just like, what's the most useful thing for us at the time. And at some point we make decisions on what that is, right? Whether it's born, we're, we're sort of born with that and we're raised with it and we decide very young or at some point in life. And you told me there were many times mm-hmm. where you've sort of made that decision Last one being, I believe you said when you were 29. Yeah. What what does that mean to you? What does God first mean to you? Why do you why did you choose to believe that? And you know, what was what was it that was like the sort of switch, the turning point for you? Well, so I was born in a Christian family and like when you know, I was baptized when I was like nine or something like that. Um, gone to church my whole life you know, but had many, many experiences where it was like, God was pulling me back into something, right? So people want to say like, well, what, you know, why or how or whatever. And like, I just look at evidence of my life. Mm-hmm. Like my marriage was going for divorce. My business was going for bankruptcy. I was like, I just came out of a 10 year addiction that like burned my life to the ground. Right. And I remember walking, like I just told my wife that I had an affair and she like kicked me out of the house. It was a day later and I was walking around a neighborhood at night and I was walking on a sidewalk the street was Arden way. And um, I had this vision, right? And it was like a vision that it like literally brought me to my knees. And it was that it was me laying on a table, like a metal table. This was when I was 29. Um, I was laying on a metal table maybe I was 28, either way. Um, I was laying on a metal table and there was like a guy in a white coat, right? And he turned to me and I was in like a third person. So he turned to me and I saw that like, he took out this black heart, right? And put it on a table. And then he grabbed a new heart and put it inside of me. And I could tell like, it was to me, that was like evidence that it was like God replacing my heart, right? Like all the past that I've done, everything it had been forgiven and it was time to change. So when you have experiences like that, you realize that there's something so much larger than yourself. Yeah. You know, and then if you look at like, like people want to argue the evidence of, you know, the Bible, people want to argue the evidence of that. To me, it's very simple. And I think arguing against the evidence is more difficult to make an argument for, right? So I don't even get in arguments about it because I don't change people's beliefs. Like you don't argue to change someone's beliefs. Mm-hmm. It'll never work, right? You can persuade, you can communicate, yeah. but usually what I'll do I is all that's the purpose of arguing either. It's more to validate your own beliefs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what I'd like, like to do, yeah. yeah, I'll walk alongside someone. And then generally as we walk alongside each other, at some point in their life, like, especially if they're going through a hard time, enough evidence begins to illuminate Like, you know, they're like, yeah, I think, I think this God, I think God, like it's starting to make sense to me. Right. 
And I've noticed that every single time that I've put my faith in God and lived with him, not just first in a list of priorities, but like, as like, like, I don't write a list of priorities, putting God number one, like he is the piece of paper, right? So when he is the web of your life, everything goes better. Yeah. And there's like, you see reconciliation between marriages, you see reconciliation between businesses, you see reconciliation between people that wouldn't have been able to happen without that. So I think you asked, why do I believe that? And I think the thing is, is like, for me to argue against that would be illogical and irrational when I have the evidence that I have in my life. Mm -hmm. I like the metaphor for the with a piece of paper mm -hmm. where yes, there's like, there's clear evidence. There's a higher, there's something greater and there's a higher being that's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say controlling, but sort of, guiding right, what happens next right, there's clear evidence of that absolutely and oftentimes we'll prioritize like that but i like what you're saying how that's simply the framework and the foundation on which you then make your own decisions yeah so we have priorities yeah we have free will, right? Like, obviously, but like you start to look at like divine coincidences and things like that. And so you start and you're like, wow, this makes like, you know, this, this, this is unreasonable and it's happening. This is unreasonable and it's working. And when you start to like live with just that internal representation of like God exists and God is for you, you know, and he went first before you, mm -hmm. you start to have a tremendous amount of understanding and clarity in the world around you right yeah. and the reason that like so the reason that i've always been like devout into into like traditional christianity is you know all the other religions believe that you work your way up to god hmm. that your actions create a salvation for you which is interesting because so i don't i've never seen actions save someone right what's interesting is when you have people that operate on that paradigm of an action-based salvation they tend to fall sh continually come up short but then when you look at like christianity like the difference was all the other gods are sitting on top of the mountain and you have to work your way up in Christianity, right? Like Jesus, God, God sent his son to come down to the bottom of the mountain and bring you up. Yeah. Which I resonate with so much because all the other ones, you essentially have to be God to make it to the top of the mountain. Hmm. And then there's, uh, you know, going back to a, the earlier conversation about scarcity, there's, um, if you are taking specific actions to work your way up, there's an expectation that comes with it. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, uh, a belief that already you're missing something. 
And what I'm hearing from you is your understanding of Christianity and, and how um, it positions God and the belief of God is that nothing is missing. You're already perfect as you are. You're already exactly as you're supposed to be. And then what I sort of understand as this, and, and I've been through my own um, experiences, you know, growing up, going to going to a Catholic school and um, having some disillusionment with the system, not necessarily mm-hmm. the spirituality and the, um, like the belief, but more so the system itself. Yeah. Because systems are flawed. People are flawed, of course. Right. And it's all subjective experience. But I did recognize that we have an opportunity already every single day to sort of align with that belief or not. And we can choose to accept ourselves for who we are and accept ourselves as sort of divine beings and having of this greater guidance from someone, something, or we can choose not to. And those who choose not to, I find tend to, they tend to get lost because they're left with their own compass, but without any specific direction, you know? Yeah. And I think like, you know, you talk about the system, right? So like, I think when you start to put, again, like with Catholicism specifically, right? And this, this happens in a lot of religions. Like you have a divine sanctification, right? So you have this idea that there's nothing that you can do, right? To get yourself into in, into heaven, into alignment with God, but that it's, that's a, that it's an act of God that brings you there. And then you have this curious intervention between man, which like I found was, you know, that that or, or works right then you have like in in catholicism it's like okay you're saved but then yeah which um distorts the distorts the purity of the relationship with god right like mm-hmm. there shouldn't have to be an interference between man and god like there should be you and god in that relationship that divine connection right and so i believe that once we have that salvation moment that that kind of transmutation we you know, receive the Holy Spirit, right? That we can uh, then start to beget that connection, right? And so then in like Catholicism and in other religions, then you have this divine connection between man and God. And then there's a guy trying to insert himself here, which naturally fractures the divine relationship. So it takes a pure relationship and blotches it. And then people look at the divine connection and they blame that instead of blaming the system, right? Or the framework. And then they're like, well, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in this. And it's like, well, we as man have taken it and, and made it like we had to impose our self-importance in it. Mm-hmm. And that's where that comes from, right? So like when you allow the system to be pure and the relationship between you and God to be natural and ever flowing, mm-hmm. then like life does become easy, right? Life becomes effortless. Like success becomes easy. Success begins to flow freely because you have a divine connection. Mm-hmm. The moment that you take that connection and try to insert another man into it, the connection gets confused. And it's a choice. It's a choice and it's like an instant choice. Yeah. Whether or not you, you know, and just we can think about this as marketing as well, because all things are marketing. Any message is marketing. It's, you know, marketing comes from propaganda as well. And we can imagine 
the language used in the Catholic Church, for example, and we're getting pretty deep into this. I'm just very curious and I'm exploring some ideas here, but we, we can examine the language that's used that positions man in front of the direct connection to something greater, to God, to a God, right? And you do that long enough, subconscious programming comes in and makes you assume that that's the way, right? This is how it was intended to be, by the way. I read, I read this book recently called The Sovereign Individual, a book written in the late 90s, uh, that describes how um, society as a whole evolved over the centuries. And there was one part that described where sort of the, the, the church, specifically the Catholic church, played a role. And I, I believe it was in like the like 10th or 9th century, I could be mistaken, but around the time when different feudal systems and different communities from all over Europe and, um, and you know, that part of the, the world were beginning to connect with each other and intertwine. It was very difficult to maintain order. And you can imagine two opposed, two sort of different societies with different things to offer right? Maybe one for farming and one for fishing, right? They have different things to offer. But they also have different cultural systems and different belief systems. And so they would not really get along. It would cause a lot of problems. And so the government at the time, which was a feudal system, didn't establish the church, but they connected with the church to help establish a mass cultural system aligned by specific beliefs and values. And this is a good thing, right? Let's bring everyone together based on certain values and certain um, understandings of the world and, you know, what's good and what's not and how to behave. And that's what the church's role and responsibility was, exclusive of the, of the belief itself and God, guide itself. Like that was not part of this. It was sort of the guiding principle and gave people something greater to believe in that was not a government, even though they were sort of working together. Yeah. Which I find to be interesting, especially because, you know, we look at the world now and I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York, a very, at the time, Italian uh, neighborhood where I was from and Roman Catholicism was like the religion, the religious institution that you were a part of. Yeah. Right. But there were different churches spread out based on your like little community. So that you could establish this general belief and relate to the rest so that the government could main, maintain control so that the city of New York could establish this order that was in conjunction with your spiritual and personal beliefs. And so then you automatically associate who you are as an individual, your value system with the place you grew up and with the 
the role that you play in society, which, you know, it's happened over the last couple of centuries and demonized the connection, like you said, to what's real, what's true is that we, we don't need to have this interface, this intermediary Mm -hmm. person, right? We don't, we, we already have everything within us. And that's that's taught. That's in that's in the Bible. It's in the the language of of like going to Catholic mass. It's in there. But then there's also language that's stopping you from like believing that that instilling fear. We went from marketing to talking about spirituality, something most people wouldn't make a connection to. So I'm, uh, I'm really curious, you know, why for you, like what, what is, what is marketing and how does that play a role for you in sort of how you show up? and your own like your own belief systems yeah i mean basically for marketing it's like for me um i'm really good at it like coming up with strategic ideas and everything like that but the biggest thing is like i want to help businesses that want to create positive ecology in the world so want to do something better in the world um not have to succumb to like a um sleazy market scheme but like we call it getting naked right so i want them to be able to be fully transparent i want them to be 100 trustworthy i want them to create full transparency all this stuff where they can truly connect their products and services to the value that they provide so like all the marketing that we do we just over deliver on value and the results that we get are ridiculous like i've never had a marketing company be able to compete with the results i get because of the level of transparency we offer with, with like the the product that we're offering to the customer that we're facing. Like we give away so much value that people can just sense because a lot of marketing companies get really hyped up or a lot of companies get really hyped up over the idea of customers and of leads. But I don't want customers or leads that aren't going to stay for the long haul. So I want people like, I will filter everyone out. Like for my copy, the reason I offer to write free ads for people is because I don't want someone to, I don't want to hoot, like trick someone into coming in and learn in having me write their copy and write their ads and run their marketing strategy without them being able to sample how I do it Hmm. because I don't need your money. I don't like, I'm fine. But if you want to work with me, let's work together. But this is the way that I do it. So the reason I offer it for free is so people that can, they can see like, "Mm, you know, maybe this is too aggressive for the type of my marketing style I like, or, you know, I don't really want to be this off, like honest. And my thing is like, I'm not, not going to market a Honda wrapped as a Ferrari. Mm. I'm not going to do it. Like I'll let you see under the hood. And if people aren't willing to expose that in their products and services and over deliver that value, then they're not a good fit for us. So you're coming from a place of total transparency. Yeah, we come um, from a place of abundance in our marketing. Yeah, like, from from how you show up to your clients and also in what your clients can expect when they market themselves, which is, and, and you know, there's so many companies out there who are 
delivering messaging and creating marketing that is again lacking and, and from a place of scarcity because and and you can tell because it's like hiding something it's not the full truth is that accurate mm -hmm. like what you're saying yeah like we don't use um brick walls we don't use sometimes we'll use an oto if it's like a one-time offer it's a if it's a legitimate one-time offer um like, you know, the Instagram DM ads that are like, we're taking 10 people. We're looking for 10 coaches. Like, no, you're not, dude, you're looking for hundred coaches. So don't say you're looking for 10 because it's disingenuous, right? And the only people that fall for that marketing are people that probably aren't actually going to pay for your services anyway. So why even market to them? So you can show good cost per acquisition. I don't care about my cost per acquisition. I care about, I'll pay. I, I, one of the things that I always say is I'll pay the most for a customer that I can pay. I don't find, I don't mind uh, like paying a lot to acquire a customer because anybody that's been with me hasn't left me. So you, you know, if it's, if I pay 2,500 bucks to acquire someone, like they stay with me to provide enough value of, you know, $120,000 over a couple of years. Like, sure. Why would I not pay 2,500 bucks? The problem is people are so short-sighted and they have their like products positioned in such a way where they know they're not going to get that LTV, a lifetime value. So they focus on the cost per acquisition. So yeah, the, I like, imagine they don't have systems in place to maximize LTV either, like actually keep people for the long haul. It's like a short-term solution that they're offering, which doesn't require them to stay very long. Yeah. Right. Like they, you come in with a high ticket offer at 10 grand or something like that. Yeah. It's like decent, but like you haven't thought through what's next. Yeah. And what's next is like how that, that's where you, you know, then if you, if somebody's willing to pay 10 grand for a course and you provide the value, they should be getting 50 to hundred grand back in value. Mm -hmm. And then you should be able to charge them 30, 40, 50 grand for one-on-one -on -one or however you want to frame it, however you want to structure it. Like there's, you know, courses to retreats to whatever, like we do it all. And we even sell, we even help people market products. Our, our niche is like high ticket, but we do help with products and our thing is like, you don't, there's no point in having a customer that's a one-timer because they're not going to get the value that they desire. Hmm. And to sell a course telling someone they're going to get that level of value on their own DIY yeah, in 12 weeks is unrealistic, <laughs> right? Totally like that's not, yeah. And, I mean, and you, and people don't, and then, you know, but they pay for it and then they're already halfway bought in. And mm -hmm. it's whatever. So it's like, where's your transparency of your language and your marketing to deliver exceptional results? And most people are like, so I don't, you know, my cost per acquisition is, is, is generate can be high. A lot of times it's low because people find so much value in it. Mm -hmm. Like we started an ad the other night where I gave four free resources to someone. So I gave them everything that this guy was going to use for, um, like low front end offers and stuff like that mm -hmm. for free. And we gave it just in the link. You don't even have to submit your email. We gave it in the copy of the app. Mm. We launched it a night or two nights ago. And he is at
He's gotten 23 leads for 102 bucks in a very short period of time. These are leads so, without, um, like, they're not opting in. They haven't given info, or, or are they? Like, no, they've, they've opted in at this them. point, but we've provided oh, so much value in the body of the copy. They don't have, like, there's probably been hundreds of people who haven't opted in, but have still received a ton of value. Right. And have been able to download the links and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So the, this, the sort of scarcity that I notice sometimes is, you know, people are going to, afraid to give away their stuff because they think they're devaluing themselves by doing so when in fact you're totally increasing your value when you yep. when you give everything away when you deliver free value and you share like i get on free coaching calls i do workshops and master classes and i go and i speak at different events and and i let people know like what I'm giving you right now is ex it's, it's the same. Like I only know one way to deliver. So I'm not going to dilute anything. Yeah. Right. So you, you, like you, you are getting exactly what people pay five, 10, $25,000 for depending on like the, the client and the offer. The difference is, and here's something I find interesting is the level of commitment like you can give away free stuff. The likelihood of someone utilizing that is, re is really low, but you don't, ex you don't really expect people to utilize it. You expect people to appreciate it. You expect people to opt in and then you expect to have an email campaign that's going to convert them. And the problem is yeah. like, no one even opens your PDF because it's shitty and they already know it. So like, just give them, I give them, like give them the PDF and the copy, just let them have it for free. And then because you're driving up your client acquisition cost on the on your opt-in, not not per lead, but overall, like people are spending you know thousands of dollars a day to get people on a free opt-in. Well, I'd rather you just take if you're just going to take what you need for free, just have it for free. Mm -hmm. And then when you use it or implement it, you know. But I don't need your email. I don't need you on my list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you're actually going to participate, you know. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of people chase like a list size, which having more people on your list and then the right messaging can be valuable. Of course, because you're 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 reaching more people who could reach your ideal client, who could reach potential clients. Yep. If your messaging is on point and you build trust really well. But ultimately, and, and to the point I was making before, like free stuff doesn't devalue you. It, it boosts your credibility and demonstrates that you are a service and you're, that you're trustworthy as well. And for the right people who are committed, they're going to want to buy in because they know with coaching support guidance and oftentimes peer to peer, like accountability, that's when they get real results. Yeah. So to have someone just opt in and give your, give their email and get the free thing. It's, it's not really a guarantee that this is the right person. Yep. Exactly. It's just another name on a list. Right. I, I do notice when, and this is something I, I talk about a lot and I teach it to, to my clients to help them understand how 
like how economics tends to work and how they can get better at marketing and sales from a thinking perspective, a mindset perspective, is that what people put their money into tends to also shift their attention. But there, mm-hmm. there's like a threshold. Like if they're not paying enough, their attention's not going to be on it. Like if it's like just barely enough money for them to care it's the reason why like a planet fitness will do really well because they'll sell a 10 to 20 dollar gym membership assuming that most people will forget about will forget about it yep Uh, whereas a crossfit gym that's like 200 bucks a month like that's some skin in the game and so they'll people will naturally want to shift their focus it also takes resources away from other things so, yeah. so for people who are like afraid to charge money, going back to like that, you know, service and sacrifice thing, like charge as much as you can. Yeah. Seriously, as much as you can. As long as yeah. you know you're delivering something of real concrete value and you're not trying to scam people, right? Yep. Because then people are going to actually want to participate. If something costs, like I, I've spent $10,000 $10, on coaching and like a coaching program. And I'm like, this is the most I've ever focused on something, you know? Yeah. You're serious about it. So serious. Yep. What, what, what has been something, and we'll wrap this up soon. What is something that you've invested in for yourself? That's really made a big difference for you to where um, you shifted a lot you shifted your lifestyle your attention how you spend your money yeah so i spent um i spent 100k on a coaching package yeah um but you know just changed like the whole direction of everything the funny thing was i didn't utilize the coaching package that much i basically put 100 grand down to make myself pivot and i did i pivoted so that was how i got started like i was in construction put 100 grand down on a coaching course um or coaching mentorship got out of construction got into marketing but I knew that I needed to put skin in the game to change that. Yeah. And I mean, it's yielded, you know, 10 X ROI in a year. So. Mm-hmm. But worth it. What, what was it that like led you to making that decision? Um, I knew that I that's wanted a big jump, man. Like that's, that's huge. And to put your, well, I mean, there's faith involved to put your faith into something like that. You know, what was yeah. it, man? Um, so I just, I like, I just knew that what got me to where I was today or that point wasn't going to get me to what's next. Mm -hmm. When an opportunity like that comes, comes to, you you know, and, and for anyone listening, who hears that and might think like, that's, that's a lot. Like I couldn't do that. <laughs> like maybe, maybe not. And that that's an indication of whether or not it's something you're ready for. You know, I, obviously you were ready to make a, a serious change and mm-hmm. go full on into this new venture. How did, how did you know you were ready? Well, the funny thing was like, I didn't even have the money. I, I raised the money. So I had people invest in me, hmm. which is like, most people are like, man, I wouldn't do that. And it's like, yeah, but just bet on yourself. Like you can do it. You yeah. can win. And so I did. And like, that was it. You know, I just knew that it was time. Like 
I did it. Um, I think that oftentimes people know it's time and then they consciously back themselves out of it. Like just sometimes you just have to bet on yourself and actually all the time you bet on yourself and just win. Like people are like, man, that's a risky bet. It's not like I'm the safest bet I can make. So like, I'm the safest bet on the safest investment. Like I know I'm going to win. So why would I not take the chance? Right. And I always ask people like, what happens if you don't make this investment? What happens if you don't make this shift? What happens if you don't take this chance, right? And people are like, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I probably don't make it by in like a couple of years. And it's like, yeah, but there's a level of certainty that knows that you had an opportunity in front of you and you weren't willing to gamble on yourself or invest in yourself or take a chance on yourself. And the thing is, is like you do that enough times and you're going to stop believing in your capacity to create. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see it. You do it enough times and you're going to stop believing in your capacity to create. Man, the, 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 the pillars of trust, right? The, the lack of trust in yourself that prevents people from taking action is typically the one that holds most people back from actually reaching any level of success is self-belief. Yeah. It's self-worth, it's self-desire, like it's self, you know, do you believe that you're worthy enough? Do you believe that you deserve it? Like, yeah, you deserve it. You know, yeah, you're worthy enough. Yeah, you have it inside. You just like saying you start to trust in those things enough and like you're going to see that it pays off. What gives you that sense of worth, worthiness? What What's the driving force behind that? Um, I just believe that I've been called to do something more, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and I've like, you do, you prove to yourself that you're going to do it with like small things, right? So like, yeah. I get up every morning, I do the same morning routine. And then I also know what's going to take me to the next level. Like, I know that there's a certain amount of things that I'm going to, I have to do and see and believe in to get to the next level. So I just trusted those things. Like most people know their strategic moves ahead. They're just unwilling to commit to them. Hmm. Like there's not some massive like secret strategy. Like if you want to make more money, you know, you have to do X, Y, and Z. If you want to do this, you know, you have to do X, Y, and Z. If you want to, but people want to make it a little bit more convoluted and a little bit more difficult. It doesn't have to be more difficult. It can be super simple. Like it can be super simple where you do X, Y, and Z, you will be successful. You do X, you know, and you start to believe in that you should do that. And it's like, everybody here was born to do something more. So why sell for something less? Hmm. There's, there's a fundamental belief there that you either understand or you don't. And it's, it is, I imagine it's, there's, there's some level of like, you can be in the middle and, and unsure, but it's, it can be very binary. Like you, you either believe with 100% certainty that you are meant for something more or, or you don't. And, and I find people that don't believe that they suit, they, they're the ones who lose their connection to that greater power. Yeah. They're the ones who have lost that, which is guided by it's guided by fear. And it's, it's on purpose too. Like we talked about before in a lot of ways, like if everyone on earth had 100% belief in themselves, who would be in power? Yeah. We, the, the people, the, the, truly the people, like you, you would have, we'd have actual freedom and 
sometimes that's hard, you know, we get, we give up some of that. We sacrifice it to have some safety and security or perceived safety and security. I believe entrepreneurship is such a beautiful demonstration of someone going after their, their calling, you know, and, and having a demonstrating that belief in themselves. And, you know, I don't know about you, Max, I grew up in a family of not entrepreneurs, like it was go to school and get a job and retire at this age. And that just didn't like appeal to me from a, from a very young age. And so I realized like other people are doing this thing, like they have way more choices. How do I, how do I get that? And at some point I remember deciding, like, it's a matter of me just making myself the creator of what, of what happens, like not leaving it up to other people, letting other people make the decisions. Like I can believe what I want. I can act on things that I find to be valuable. I can be of service as long as, as long as I don't hurt anyone. Right. And as long as I'm not like doing any harm. And as long as it's coming from a place of abundance, authenticity, and genuine care for like the future. I think this is a valuable lesson like anyone can learn or develop. And it's something that can totally be developed even, even later on in life. What's up? With that, like what is, what's the long-term vision for you, Max, beyond, you know, advertising and marketing? Like, is that, is this leading to something greater for you? Yeah. I mean, well, the, you know, the business should help positive or people promote positive ecology in the world. Right. So to change millions of lives. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like I break it down. I have a series of goals, right? From now to, um, 2000 or to, you know, 2100. Right. So I got 90 years worth of goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the, you know, this is where I'm at now and the direction that I chair the vehicle I chose to create the positive ecology, right. So to help other leaders and stuff like that and sell their services to help other people do more things. I want listeners to like hear that again, like just rewind like 15 seconds, 90 years worth of goals. Mm-hmm. So be 120. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to think, and I've recognized billionaires, millionaires, if we want to like equate financial success with success, which you can, there's, there's value in just having that perception. Those types of people, they they think in decades. And it doesn't even have to be people who have made financial success. It's just people who have a massive impact on the world. Yeah. They're thinking decades out. Whereas those who are suffering tend to think out, think a week in advance, maybe. Yeah. And when you can really solidify some belief that something better is going to happen as a result of you taking steps 
for that long it, it man it makes life so much fun oh yeah that's awesome where uh what are you excited about next and where can people uh learn as much as they want about you max so my instagram max maze just at max maze i post a lot on there um our new website's getting ready to launch maxwellmaze.com which has all the uh all the information about like the different services that i provide and stuff like that but it's basically it appreciate you man thank you for thanks for joining today and, and uh sharing your point of view it was really a refreshing perspective and um, I, I appreciate getting to see people in the world who are taking something that is perceived as slimy and toxic and and really harmful to society and turning it into something one useful and also beautiful so thank you for that man absolutely well i look forward to it i appreciate you having me on here you got it enjoy the rest of your day max you too